0: Earful of Leadership is an independent project and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or any military component. The views expressed are those of the host, and the content of this podcast is not meant to provide any legal or medical advice. Welcome to the Earful of Leadership podcast. We're so glad you're here. We're joined today by Dr. Maria Grijalva, the original Dr. G., owner and operator of Active Hearing Center. And we are going to talk today about her business experience, her mentorship experience, and being a mentor to undergraduates. She was actually my undergraduate mentor and pretty much the reason why I got into audiology and she changed my life. So let's get into it. Thank you for coming on, Dr. G. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) That's awesome, thank you. So let's share with the listeners um, how we know each other and how that relationship developed. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: Nicole was one of my students, and this was my very first semester teaching. Very first semester, so this was all very new, and I had super high expectations for everyone. And she met those really high expectations because I remember we would be in class, and and Nicole would be the student that would be like asking the questions. <laughs> be like, "Huh, that's a really good question, Yes, yes, let's go with that. So she kind of caught my attention that way is by asking these questions that I could tell was they were they were formulated questions, they were questions because I knew that she had studied the material and, and they were good questions, and that's where she really shined that's where i was I noticed her, and then um." from there i came across this um audiologist who worked with a dispenser who was doing mission work in mexico do you remember that
0: yeah and, how could i forget
1: and i was like hey is anyone interested in helping me cuz i really needed volunteers um when we i mean i remember there were times we had like 35 patients and 35 may not sound, it may not sound like a big number but 35 that that is a lot for one day, audiology
0: appointments, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. So- well, I think you're skipping a few steps Uh-oh. because you only, you only offered the volunteers for people, you only offered students to go with you on the trip for students that had already came and volunteered with you at your office.
1: So That's those right. of
0: us that took the initiative to be like, hey, can I come and just shadow you? So it was only those students who you were like, all right, if you also want to do more. That's then you right. got to go. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was going to be like one student that was interested. And then all of
1: a sudden I got more students. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what do I do with this? There's there's more than one. ah." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I think yeah. I, I ended up picking like a name out of a hat, right? Do mm-hmm. you remember that? Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was like two
0: of you guys remember Mm -hmm. that? Yeah, me and Juan. I I was going to be so mad if it wasn't me. I was so mad. I was prepared to go to your office if it wasn't me.
1: (laughs) I was so, honestly, I mean, between you and I and everyone else listening to this podcast, I was really relieved that it was you because I was like, yes, like, I know she's going to put in the work. I know this is going to work out. Like I, I, this is going to be great. This is good. Because if it was maybe some of the other students, uh, I would have been a little bit worried, but I was, I was relieved when I saw your name. I was like, yes, this is meant to be. (laughs) It was meant to me. That's kind of where we started. We started going to Mexico and, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the drive, but from Orange County to Mexico, was it like three hours? Mm hmm. hmm. So we, we got a lot of time. Close. We, got, we yeah. got
0: very, very close. Very, very close. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. all professional while you're still my instructor, of course. Um, but so my end of the story is that I had one audiology class, which was taught online. So I'll be honest, as an undergraduate student, when I had a lot of other really challenging classes and this class was just online, I was like, oh, these answers are right out of the book, super easy. So I was not as engaged. And then I had your class, which was oral rehab, and you basically had to reteach us audiology. And the very first day you gave us a pop quiz to see, to check our understanding Which you were really nice. You were like, okay, anything that you get right, like I'll count as extra credit, but I just want to see where your understanding was. And I was like, ooh, this is rough. But you were like really nice and you gave us good icebreakers and a lot of information. And then as the class went on, like you were really good at like scaffolding our understanding and reteaching us the foundations of audiology and also teaching us oral rehab. So props to you because you had to (laughs) reteach us two classes in one. Um, But I learned a lot and like very, Early on, I was like, yo, she's a really good professor. She taught us a lot. She took us from like a foundational level. You never like to me, you were very forward. People would answer a question and you'd be like, um, no. Anyone else? And I was like, damn, I like her. She's like not messing around. You scared me a little bit, but I really wanted to learn from you because I thought, if I'm gonna learn from someone, they're gonna be direct and tell me what it is, tell me what I need to know. And I really liked audiology. I liked the way you presented it because you're so passionate about it, you love it. And I could tell you get really excited when someone's like starting to learn the information and starting yes. to grow in it.
1: I'm yeah. like, yes, yeah. yes,
0: you gotta keep going. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And I, I felt that. And so then when I like asked to go to your office and like shadow you and see and learn and like even that day, you're like, all right, you want to try? You want to get hands on? I was like, oh, my God, what? I could touch an audiometer. Like it was very quick that you could like get a feel for me and like push me and try to do things. And so our relationship really developed quite fast in that way where you were like, all right, I'm going to push you. I'm going to see what you can do. And then getting to go to Mexico was just, like, amazing. Um, But you trained me a lot before going there. And it was, like, a requirement. Like, we had to come into Mm -hmm. your office so many times before going to Mexico and perform audiometry and prove that we could do all this stuff before we went and did it with real patients and things. But, um, yeah, it was, like, getting one-on-one training. It was amazing. I loved it. (laughs)
1: I think back to that time it was it was it was great it was great i mean uh, it was it was awesome i couldn't have asked for a better team to to assist me in that mission work so thank you, yeah. thank you so much for coming
0: <laughs> i loved it yeah it was so great and having one on the team he was so sweet and then i remember um you and dr nicole butler taking me out to dinner and pretty much telling me like look you need to do audiology. And I was like, what? I thought I was going to do speech therapy and I have cleft palate. And um, I always thought I was what do you mean? Like I should do speech therapy. And you guys are like, look, you have the skill. We know it. We can see it. You could do this. You could do that. Like, think about it. And I was like, oh my God, this is making so much sense. I remember that was a yard house, right? Yard house, Yeah. Yeah. And we shared a drink and I was like, oh, my God, they're so cool, and they're so honest, and they're so smart. Like, I need to do this, but I have to decide for myself. So then I made a pros and cons list, and then I decided. (laughs)
1: Why does that not surprise me? (laughs) (laughs) That does not surprise me. No, like, I feel like when you meet someone and and you know that they have it, like, that's where Nicole and I were like, we need to tell her, you know, because we knew that you were in between speech and audiology. So I was like, I need to tell you that if you want to do this, you want to go all out. Like you have it. I know you have it because I see it in you and I believe in you. I remember mm-hmm.
0: that. I remember all of that. Oh
1: goodness. Yeah. It
0: seems like it was mm-hmm. so long ago. It does. It feels like that. Yeah. Oh, good times. Oh, my yeah. goodness. But you really well, helped I- me. You totally blossomed and helped me grow and helped me pick schools, grad schools to apply to. Yeah, and if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have found Lamar University either. So oh like God. you've been instrumental in my life and guiding my life and where I went for so long.
1: Yeah. I am so happy. Yes, I was like I remember when you told us, "Alright, I'm going to do audiology." I was like, "Yes, we found one. We, we converted <laughs> her to the to the dark side."
0: <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. was a, a. big a. deal a. at our school a. at a. Yeah, Yeah. audiology. Yeah, we call it the dark side because there's so many speeches in our field, which is fine. Like props to that, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. I wish that I had that personality truly, but it just doesn't match my personality. But in our class of 90, there were only two of us that did audiology. And one, one, he already knew that he wanted to do audiology. And then I switched. Mm -hmm. Everybody else stayed speech. So, yeah, it was quite an accomplishment to convert me. (laughs)
1: Yes. I remember
0: all of that. (laughs) Oh, takes me back to good times. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're an excellent teacher, professor uh, and mentor to me and have been for so many years. So thank you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm happy (laughs) that I was able to help.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Well, enough about uh, our story. Let's talk about you and your life. So what have been your experiences with mentorship in your career?
1: well I you know what I want to start like way back like let's take it back to high school okay high school I had no idea what I want to do not zero and I wouldn't say that I was your ideal high school student I was probably not that ideal high school student and because of that um, not that there's anything wrong with community college I actually think community college is great um but I ended up going to community college because I really didn't get into any other schools. Mm. I went to
0: community college by choice.
1: Yeah. I planned to, there's, there's I
0: planned nothing to, go to
1: wrong. but you know, nothing when you're like, when you're young and you, and you, right. you know, your parents and your parents, friends, and they're like, you need to go to a college and a university yeah. and this and that. So right. I was not that, I, I was not that kid. Let's be realistic. I was, I was not, I was very far from being that. So, I went to Golden West College, which is a community college in um, Huntington Beach. And the reason I went there was because I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, in high school, I was just so distracted that I'm going to put myself in an environment that I don't know anyone. So I don't have any room to be distracted. Right. That was like my, my mentality. So I went to Golden West and I you know after my first year i remember i went to my counselor and he printed my transcript and he was like um yeah you you have a 1.86 gpa and i was like oh oh that, um, that that's not good i was like man i i felt like you really had to try to have a 1.8 <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? That was an aha moment for me when he gave me my Mm -hmm. transcript, like my stomach just sunk, just sunk Mm -hmm. really low, like really, really low. And I remember walking out of that office and I thought to myself, geez, I, I don't know if that's what I don't want my life to be like that. Like I need to change something like that's not who I am. I know who I am. And that's not me. Mm-hmm. So I walked out of that with my transcript, my little transcript, and it was a 1.86, right? And I'm like, okay, that's okay. I'm I'm going to make this better. <laughs> I'm going to make oh, this yeah. better somehow. And so I went to my counselor and I said, "Mr. I don't remember his name was. Let's just call him Mr. Smith." Mr. Smith. Mm-hmm. "I need to take six classes. Six classes." And he's like, "Why? Why do you need to take six classes?" And I'm like, oh, oh, you know, it's because I need to graduate in four years. <laughs> and remember, I've already gone through a year and I have a 1.86, right? So I kind of like, in my head, in my like, what is it, 18, 19-year-old head, I'm like, I, I need to catch up because I still need to graduate mm. in four years. So I mm-hmm. need to take six classes. And he mm-hmm. laughed at me. He laughed at me. He laughed no. at me. And he mm. was like, why, why would you think that you could even handle Six classes Mm -hmm. like you can't even handle four because when you take four classes you withdraw for two classes so that's only two classes that you're taking and then you end up with a 1.86 so why would you think I would sign this because okay so when you sign up for more than I think 15 units you need a signature from your counselor Mm -hmm. and finally I told them I said Mr. Smith if if I don't get straight A's this semester, then I promise you'll never see me again. Never, you'll never see me again. And he says, are you like serious about that? (laughs) (laughs) He's like probably just trying to get rid of me. I was like, yes, you'll never see me again. If I don't get straight A's, you'll never see me again. And he goes, okay, well, what you're asking me to do is crazy. Like you're basically gonna be in school from Monday through Friday from like eight to like 10 PM. You know that, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, but it's fine. It's fine. I can do it. And so he said, fine, I'll, I'll give you a shot. I'll believe in you, but if you don't get straight A's, don't ever ask me to sign this again. I said, deal, mm-hmm. deal. I'll make you that deal. So I did. I don't know how many classes I took. Like I just remember being in school from Monday through Friday from like eight to like 10, like my last class ended at 9 45 PM. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was, it was a hard time. <laughs> it was a hard <laughs> time, but I managed to get straight A's. So no
0: way. The next you went from semester, from one point eight to a straight A's.
1: Yes, it's it's because Dang. I wasn't like really serious before, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like that moment where I saw my one point eight, I was like, oh, my stomach just sunk to the mm-hmm. floor, like like below whatever the floor is like it just sunk to the dirt it was done (laughs) (laughs) it was done and that's when i decided you know what this is my life this is my you know my future i need to take it serious so i i end up taking all those classes and the next thing you know it i'm applying to like universities and i applied to i think it was like cal state Fullerton, Cal State Long Beach, Cal State LA, and then I ended up getting into all of them because I had after my after my my one eight, 1.86, I ended up getting straight A's. So my GPA mm. was actually not bad after that,
0: mm. and
1: I ended up going to Cal State Fullerton because you know I still wanted to live at home and it was just the most economical route to go. So I ended up going there, and then. I I remember I was I was nervous and I was signing up for all these classes. Okay, wait. Okay. Take it back a second. So, how did I end up in communicative disorders? Well, I decided that there was only one class that I liked in my when I was in a community college and that was communication. And within communication, I was like, I I really like public speaking. And I was like, well, what can you do with public speaking? I don't know. And then somewhere along the lines, I saw communicative disorders. And I've always kind of grown up in like the way that my mom raised me. It was always like giving back to people. So that kind of stuck with me. And that's kind of why I was like, you know what? Being and, and it's a communicative, communicative disorders slash speech pathology. And I thought to myself, oh, that sounds great. Like I can talk to anyone. That makes sense. Like not realizing exactly what it was. And I like giving back. This is perfect. We are a match made in heaven. So, so fast forward, I go to Cal State Fullerton and I'm like, oh, okay, this is like disorders. Okay, I can do this. So I thought to myself, I need to put myself in the environment to where I'm experiencing this, right? So I got a job as a special ed um, aid. An aid job, right? So I aid the teacher oh, and, and, right, right. and was helping with students.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, then, yeah. and, I, and then I got there and I was like, "Oh, I, I don't, I don't think I, I really want to work with <laughs> with children." <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the next thing? Okay, you can work with like swallowing disorders. Okay. Oh, well, mm-hmm. the problem was is I wasn't really a fan of swallowing disorders. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what do I do now, right? So I went to my counselor, and um, this is my first semester. After I already had, like, I was already, like, a week in into um, the the program. And I w- the only class that I was able to get into was Introduction to Communicative Disorders and Research. And, Nicole, you know that research is a difficult class, right? 300, do you remember that? hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm
0: yeah and i went
1: to my counselor and she goes huh why did you take that so early you should be taking that like your third semester here and i was like no i'm so sorry like those were the only classes i was able to get into and i'm just trying to graduate and she goes okay that's fine do you um do you have that that class listed for next semester and i was like wait i'm very confused why would I have that class listed for next semester if I'm, now. It, if I'm taking it now? She right. Goes, she goes, right, because you're probably going to fail it. So I need to prepare you for that.
0: Skirt. Excuse me. I
1: was ma'am. like, Excuse uh, me? <laughs> um, What? First of all, your appointment wasn't, you know, the first available counseling appointment wasn't until like two weeks into the semester. And now you're telling me I'm going to fail. Oh my goodness. I was, I was freaking out, but I, you know what? I, I did it. I did it. I studied like I, I spent all day, all night. I, I, I put in 150% effort into this class and I ended up getting an A and I was like, okay, that's okay. I I'm doing okay. But you know, being in that situation where you you get you get, you know, your motivation and you know you're you're on a roll and you're excited because you've been getting straight A's and all of a sudden I'm told that like kind of took a little bit of a toll on me, um, and I I felt discouraged for a minute. I felt very discouraged.
0: Understandable. Um,
1: but then when I got that A, I was like, forget this, I can do this. So <laughs> I remember printing <laughs> printing the um, the classes that I needed to take, and I ended up like mapping my own semesters and everything because I was afraid to go back to that, my counselor. I, right. I was afraid that she had, you know, like there was already a wall that was put in front and I, I just didn't feel comfortable. And
0: so I never, right. went, I never like she went, wasn't on your side.
1: No, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. So I never went back to my counselor. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking these classes and I'm like, great. I don't like kids. Great. Uh, I don't like swallowing disorders. Great. Now what am I going to do? Right. And that summer I was taking a class. It was introduction to audiology and it was online and it was, um, by this professor, Dr. Michael Davis. And I did the whole semester and I, I it was to me, it just seems so easy. Like, okay, this is, this makes sense. This is easy. Yes. You yeah. know, it, it just makes sense to me. I don't know what to tell you. It just makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the um the end of the semester he had an in person like okay you can come if you want to learn more and I went to that session and at the end of the session, I said, you know, Dr. Davis, I really like your class. I really like audiology. Like, what can I do to get exposure? Because that's what I I, I think I, I like. I mean, I, I, I don't feel like speech is for me. Like, I feel it in my gut that it's not for me. I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I don't really, I mean, kids are okay, but I don't feel that passion. I don't have that fire. I, I, I don't have it. And right. so... He was super sweet, very understanding. And he says, Well, I'm looking for an assistant. You're looking for a job. What? (laughs) And I was like, uh, what? What? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) A hundred percent. I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for a volunteer. Whatever you need me to do, I will I will do. You tell me to jump, I tell you how high. That was kind of the thing, you know? And he said, Yeah, come work for me. So I ended up working for him for about a year. And once I started working for him, I was like, Oh my God, I love this. This is what I meant to do. I believe like, this is, this is great. This doesn't even feel like work to me. This is Mm -hmm. amazing. And so he really like, that was my first exposure to someone who had mentored me. He mentored me. He took me under Mm -hmm. his wing from like scratch, from the beginning. And he taught me everything. He taught me everything. Mm -hmm. He offered me a job. He gave me advice. Like he would always, Dr. Davis was always the type of person who wanted to know more about you. So he Mm -hmm. really took time to get to know you. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like me just asking him question it was always like okay well you know how's your family how did you how are you doing how were your how were your holidays like he would always ask me Mm -hmm. questions and that really made me feel you know valued and that really helped build up my confidence and then Mm -hmm. from there he would give me advice like oh i think you should go to this school and then from there i ended up going to nova southeastern um university down in south florida and he he told me he's like i think that's where you're going to learn like the best like i've i've researched those professors and i think that's where you need to go and i listened <laughs> to him i was like absolutely 100% you're telling me i'm going to i'm going to go there right <laughs> and so i went to florida i moved from california to florida and he never he never um lost touch with me he always mm-hmm. made it a point to just call me just for a quick like hey how are you doing how are your classes and I was like wow he really cares it was just it was different from me it was different from that you know um are you planning on taking that class again because you're probably gonna fail that like right. negative you know environment to someone that actually cared about me and I was like oh yeah you know I was he like believed in you yeah, he helped me 16. Succeed. Mm-hmm. I was 21 years old and I was like, "Oh my god, he believes in me. This is great. Like, he cares about me." It was it was different. It was it was a different type of relationship from I mean, before that it was just like, "Okay, hi, nice to meet you. I took your class. Great." And it was kind of almost like very superficial. But when I met him, it just got to a deeper level. Like, he introduced me to his family. He introduced me to his wife, his kids. It was it was Definitely a different feeling, mm-hmm. and that's that's the first time that I actually came in contact with someone that I felt um, really cared about mentoring me, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it you know it all started. And you know, I went to school, went through that, and then I ended up graduating and when he when i graduated he called me and he's like you know how are you doing how is the job situation and i told him i said you know the job situation's good but i'd like to get back to close you know being closer to my family and he mm-hmm. goes he goes not a problem I, I have a solution let me just figure it out And then I, you know, and he hung up and then he called me like two days later and he goes, I have this ENT that I was working with and I think it's my time to kind of step away from that. And I think you would be the perfect match. So he got me in contact with him and I interviewed for the job. I got the job and it was just the, there were two ENTs in there. There was um, myself and it really kind of took a lot of, um, Mentoring, I would, I would call him all the time and I'd be like, Hey, mm-hmm. Dr. Davis, this, you know, so-and-so happened. Like, what do you think I should do? And he would sometimes say, you know what, let me think about that. I'll call you back. Mm-hmm. And you call back in like 48 hours and goes, you know, I was thinking last night and this is what I think you should do. And it mm-hmm. was like, we built this amazing relationship where mm-hmm. it was just, you know, it, he cared about me and that was amazing. And I try to help him in the same way. Like once I graduated, I, um, you know, there's things that I taught him. There's contracts that I helped them negotiate. It was just, it was, it ended up being like a mutual relationship where we both benefited from the relationship. And Mm -hmm. it it was just, it was great. It was great. It was Mm -hmm. something that I really cherished. So Mm -hmm. had it not been for him, I, I don't know why w- that I would have taken this path.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I'm so glad that he how, was so instrumental.
1: Yeah. He was. He was. And that's kind of like how it all started. Um, and I digress. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> What was the main <laughs> question that you had asked? I was <laughs> <laughs> been my experience with censorship. That's kind of like where it all started. That's. Mm-hmm. that's that's where i i he set such a good example to me on what a good mentor would be like he he really took the time out of his day and he he talked to me after hours he really went above and beyond and that's where i learned what a good mentor was that's that's mm-hmm. the moment where i was like wow you know the way he affected my life is the way that i would love to help other students other people other young individuals other young professionals like that's what i want to do i look up to him that's what i want to do
0: is that what inspired you to become a teacher
1: it did it did Mm -hmm. i oh my goodness i remember back So i started teaching at cal state fullerton about five years ago and that was like my mindset like i had this image that I, you know what i'm going to i'm going to teach i'm going to make this big difference like it's going to be great mm-hmm. um, like this is what i want to do like i that's just i felt like that was my calling that's what i felt mm-hmm. that it that was my calling mm-hmm. and so then i started teaching and you were my first class mm mm-hmm. And then I realized, well, okay, so um, it's a little different than what I expected. <laughs> my expectations were a little high. Because remember, you got to go back to, okay, so you're, a, you're in communicative disorders, right? And how many students did you say were in my class? 90. And how many students? Oh, no, there was not in graduating
0: class. I think you, were there 45?
1: And how many students went into audiology? Two too. (laughs) So that was, (laughs) that was um, a little bit of a shock to me because I thought, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to convert like 50% of the class and it's going to be great, right? And Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case. I mean, I met some amazing students in your class and I still remember your class. I still remember a lot of students from your class. And it mm-hmm. it was good, it was good, but it was not my what I expected. I mean two, forty five you know, you do the math. it's not that many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, I learned from it. I learned a lot from that. I learned from the class after you, and I realized like that my expectation was maybe a little bit higher than what I thought. And so, if I'm teaching ninety students i I would expect to maybe. Like fully invest and mentor two to three. That would that was realistic. And I think when mm-hmm. I was able to kind of recalibrate is mm-hmm. um, when I was able to kind of accept that and and be effective. That's what mm-hmm. I would call it be effective. Um, mm-hmm. So I learned. I mean, that was a lesson. That was a lesson that I learned. I was like, yes, I can take on the world. I was like, wait a minute, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you went into it thinking that you were going to have these close relationships like you had with Dr. Davis with that many students, like 10 to 15, and that you right. were going to help them pursue audiology. I see. Mm-hmm. But not that many students were even that interested in audiology. They were just trying to get through the class.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. See. <laughs> they were definitely just trying to get through the class. So,
1: you know, mm-hmm. once I was able to realize that, that was a lesson learned. And I was I, I I realized that again only two to three students is really what I would be focusing on and those two to three students you know I, that's who I was going to really focus on which is actually better because how can you how can you actually mentor you know 20 students that's that's hard.
0: No. Yeah. You can't really have those like deep interpersonal relationships with that many all at once while having a full-time job and teaching 90 students. And you teach multiple classes and you work full-time at multiple practices. So no, there's just physically not enough time. And you're a parent and a wife (laughs) and you commute to these multiple practices. So. Right, right, right. So and we own multiple animals, different types of animals too. Not even just like normal dogs. Okay, don't know, embarrass me on here. Okay.
1: <laughs> Let's not talk about Sally. Okay, for okay. those of you wondering who Sally is, Sally was an orphan squirrel that needed a little help. And right. I, I helped her. I helped Sally. But Sally mm-hmm. did not like my husband. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys have, do you guys know that squirrels bark because I never knew that. And the first time I heard her bark, I was like, "What is that? That's weird." Did you no, know that? No, I did
0: not know that. No.
1: They bark. They bark. Yeah, they bark. Yeah. And if they don't like you, they make this weird noise. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> so every time she saw my husband, she was like.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, poor thing.
1: You know what? I did. I did the right thing. I. I got. Sally, ni- nice and healthy because she was, you know, she's very thin and dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I helped her with her health and then I, I released her to a rehabber. Rehabber took Good. over for a couple weeks yeah. and then they put her with a lot of little squirrel
0: friends and then they released her. So it was great. Yeah, I mean, that's taking the time of one, one student right there. So you really got to <laughs> limit it. To- <laughs> <laughs> so she, Sally is out
1: somewhere in Southern California, just living the life tree to tree.
0: She's got. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm giving her a hard time, but um I think I think that that speaks volumes. And I can say, as a student that you mentored, because you have given so much time to me and investment, and you give me your full attention and energy, that it's really been instrumental and valuable for me. Like, you're not a half hearted kind of mentor. You know, you're not just like, oh, yeah, let me know if you have a question. Come to me when you need me. Like, you would come to me with, like, oh, have you thought about this? Or look at this article, or tell me what you think about this. Or here's this audiogram. What's the Problem with it, you know, so you're fully invested in them, which I think it is wonderful, and that's why it needs to be limited because you're committed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, re- I honestly like from the bottom of my heart. I actually, I really try, and I think back to Doctor Davis and how he made that impact in my life and. I, I that's something I would like to pay forward and do to other people, so
0: that means a lot mm-hmm. to me that you say that. Don't <laughs> yeah. make me feel like I did my job, yes, <laughs> you did more than your job more than just teach me and get me to pass a class you know
1: yes, look at you 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 graduated, you're now in the army like hey, you i'm I'm proud of you
0: yeah. I'm very yeah. proud of you, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So that's that's, that's kind of like in a nutshell, kind of, you know, how I started and what I how I was interested in mentoring students and all.
0: Yeah. So what else have you learned about mentoring uh, students through your experience with teaching? I know that, you know, you've you've learned a bit about um, how to engage with them and how to develop and cultivate those relationships with them. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah,
1: I mean, I've learned so much. So well, the first thing is that I'm going to put in as much effort as you put in. So when I gave you those assignments and I was like, hey, read this, like I would quiz you on it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I would say, mm, you know what? I don't know, I don't, no. And then you would go back and then like figure it out and be like, well, actually, I think this. And I'd be like, yes, 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 yes. So um, I think one of the important kind of pieces to it all is that I put in as much effort as you're putting in, and I've I've learned a lot. I mean, thinking back to my first class, it was kind of like remember how you're like, no, I said I said something like you would give me an answer, and I'd be like, no, no, that's not it.
0: Remember, you'd be like, um, no,
1: next. Yeah, so that's something that I learned that um oh, you don't do that anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, okay, okay. To me, like I I communicate in a form where I rather be blunt with people, but apparently that's not the case with everyone. So, I learned that people communicate in a different way and then if you say like, you know, things like, "Nope, that's not it." Uh, you know, you, you come off a, come off across as like maybe not being approachable or people don't feel like they're mm-hmm. open to talk to you and although mm-hmm. that may not be my intention um that's what I come across so my intention really doesn't matter because if I'm not coming across as being that way then obviously I'm failing at my job so mm-hmm. by me saying I, you know, I can't, or you know, I'm sorry. Like, no, you know, I I learned that I needed to speak a different language. So instead of saying, you know, it, you know, you're already nervous to answer a question mm-hmm. in class in front of 90 students or whatever, mm-hmm. and I give you the response of like, mm, no, that's not it. Then that's going <laughs> to discourage you from right. from answering. Right? You're not going to want to give me an answer because of my response. So instead of saying that I learned to say other things like, you know, I can see where you're going with that, but I was thinking more along this line. So to mm-hmm. make that, you know, to, to ease it up a little bit, so it's not as harsh. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. learned to kind of give that feedback, um, because not everyone communicates the same way that I do. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way that I communicate, it's not right or wrong or, you know, anything. It's just that everyone is different. Mm-hmm. and so um I learned that maybe being blunt like that may not be the most um I guess appropriate way to to respond to someone that is maybe more of an amiable personality or more mm-hmm. of um an analytical I you know I'm expressive as you could probably tell by <laughs> the way I talk <laughs> and the, you know our conversation and um So I I really learned that there's different ways of communicating and that one of the most important things to me that I'll kind of hit on is understanding your personality is just so important to communicating, so important to mentoring, because if you understand your pros, your cons, because none of the personalities are perfect, right? We, Mm -hmm. We all have. Good things, bad things. So I'm expressive, and the good thing about me is that I'm very vocal. Uh, I'm not shy. I can go in, um, but unfortunately, a lot of times I might need some guidance because I get a little sidetracked on my side conversations, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And then you take someone like analytical that you know they're very good at analyzing information. They just need a little bit more time. Um, but they're a little bit more introverted. And so, you know, there's, there's, everyone's a little bit different. So what I learned is I learned to really dig deep to figure out who I was and how I communicated and how I responded to um, situations and how other people did and, you know, different, other, other different personalities. And you know what, by me saying, uh, no, no, To another expressive, it's like, oh, okay, good. The answer is no, I get it. But to maybe Mm -hmm. someone that is amiable or analytical, it's like, oh, wow, she was really rude. That was really Mm -hmm. rude. That was not nice. And Mm -hmm. so that was kind of an eye-opener for me is realizing that my personality didn't necessarily mean everyone else's. And it's important Mm -hmm. for me to understand other people so that I could properly communicate. And Mm -hmm. so that way, when I ran across students that were different personalities, I could identify their personality pretty, pretty instantly, and then know exactly how to communicate with them. Um, mm-hmm. what I could say. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it's, yeah, that was, that was kind of a game changer for me is the whole, mm-hmm. you know, looking into personality, the psychology of it, all of that, that was a game changer for me. Um, for sure. Mm -hmm. Not not only for people that I mentor, but I mean, now I have, I have staff and I have, you know, other doctors that work under me and, you know, they, understanding them Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and how they, you know, what makes them tick and how they communicate. That is important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think that's probably, you know, look from an audiological standpoint, from like kind of looking at the counseling aspect of it. That's important to you, because if you can identify your patient, you can identify what personality they are. You can identify mm-hmm. how to effectively communicate with them.
0: Mm-hmm. So if someone. Should comes- we, Go ahead. Yeah. Sh- should we uh, share the story about the patient that we saw the first that she summer that I spent with you? That- <laughs> I still share that story, actually, because oh it was God, so share impactful. It. And- share it. Oh gosh. Yeah. So no tears, um, (laughs) no tears, no tears this time. Yeah. Seriously. Um, so Dr. G is right that she, for a long time, has really been invested in this idea of understanding our own personality and quickly identifying our patient's personality so that we can more effectively communicate with them. And I am a driver analytical type personality. So I'm pretty forward and direct. And I was one of those students who, when Dr. G was like, "Mm, no, I was like, okay, then all right, well, let's move on. Um, I wasn't really too bothered by it, um, But I am also one of those providers that if my patient comes to me with a list of things, I'm like, awesome, let's tackle the list. Let's go one by one, sister. Like, let's go through it. No problem. Um, So I'm very forward, very direct, able to go through the list and analyze Um, and may not be as aware or sensitive to the patients, what they could be feeling in the very beginning when I was a young clinician, I was like, I'm just going to tell you what you need to know and let's move on kind of thing. So way back when, when I was a little, little baby Nikki. Um, So I, it was my, I completed my first year of grad school and we got sent out to outside clinics to work uh, with an outside provider. And I went back to California and worked for Dr. G um, for the summer and uh, I was seeing a patient with her, and uh, at that time, Dr. G was letting me do the follow-up. This patient was coming in for her hearing aid follow-up, and like most patients, she had, you know, some complaints about things not sounding the way she had expected them to sound with the hearing aids. And so I thought I was on top of it. She didn't like the way the tv sounded I was like let's go to the waiting area and let's listen to the tv And I can give you some feedback on how to do that She didn't like the road noise Let's step outside and hear the road noise and I can give some instruction on that and how It was sitting down at the table and I can give some feedback and communication strategies on that and communicating with her husband and I was just giving her advice and left and right and tips and this and that and um Throughout the whole time, she never asked to see Dr. G. She just kept coming up with more and more things um, to be addressed. And I thought, awesome, I have a solution for that. I have a communication strategy you can do for that. And I thought I was handling it really well. Um, and then her appointment ended. She saw Dr. G at the end and was like, okay, great. We'll see you in a few weeks for your next follow-up. I ended up leaving for a week to get married and go on my honeymoon. And I legit thought about her on my honeymoon. And I was <laughs> like, I'm so looking forward to seeing her when I come back. Like, I wonder how she's doing and implementing all of these strategies that we talked about. Um, so <laughs> I came back. And she had an appointment that first day that I came back. And Dr. G pulled me into the office and said, you know, so-and-so is going to be coming in for her appointment, but I need you to know that um, she called while you were gone and said that she does not want to see you for her follow-up appointment. In fact, doesn't want to see you physically at all in the clinic. Um, She has never been so disrespected in her life. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) What? And I started crying because I thought the appointment went so well. And so that's when Dr. G was like, turned around her laptop and was like, I'm going to have you take this personality test. And I'm going to come back. (laughs) So I'm like teary eyed, like so confused. And I take this personality test. And then, you know, this lady comes in for her appointment and then Dr. G counsels me on like identifying my own personality and how I communicate and how other people communicate and how maybe the strategy that I used with her was not appropriate for her personality style and how when someone comes in with a list of complaints, like it's really not appropriate as clinicians to try to, you know, bombard them with 10 things for them to do and just maybe pick the top one or two things. If they come in with a list of 10, say like, okay, what is like the number one and two most important things that you want to focus on? Like what is most bothersome for you? And just, you know, focus on those things and not overwhelm them. And then she would like test me through the next few weeks that I was with her. We would see a patient and Dr. G would be like, all right, what personality are they? Or we'd interact with them briefly and then put them in the sound booth and they couldn't hear us. And then Dr. G would turn to me and be like, what personality type are they? And I would have to like identify did I, did, what it I tra- was. did I traumatize you? <laughs> no, you didn't. It just, it got me thinking a lot. And then I was like, oh, she's going to ask me, like, I better really be thinking about this. Like what, what are they amiable? Are they analytical or whatever? But anyways, I share that story um, to reinforce what you're sharing, but also like nobody's perfect. We all learn as we develop through our counseling abilities. And, and because I thought that I did such a wonderful job. Like I thought that we really connected and she didn't ask to see you. So I was like, Oh my gosh. Yay. Great job. Little baby clinician. Um, and no, it was awful. We um, so being I being
1: like, Oh my God, this the student and she's like a know-it-all she's a know-it-all
0: mm-hmm. like this isn't mm-hmm. what I wanted so yeah <laughs> yeah I thought I was helping and she thought like she's telling me all the ways that maybe the way I see now I understand that she was telling me the way that she's perceiving the sound and I'm basically telling her how it's wrong how she could be doing something different <laughs> instead of being more empathetic of like you know, encouraging and supportive. And, you know, I could see how maybe she perceived, perceived some of that now. But, you know, that was years ago. Anyways, it was, it was, I've it cried was, about it. You know, it was an experience,
1: the important part, you learned a lot from it. And that's, I mean, the same thing with patients. Is like, I always tell my new audiologist, like, you need to identify your patient and you need to identify what their personality is. That's what will make you a successful clinician. Because if, for example, the patient comes in and they perceive you, that doesn't mean that's the way you are. It means just the way you're perceived. If they perceive you as a know-it-all, they're, they're not going to feel comfortable talking to you. They're not going to ask you questions. They're not going to, you know, you're not going to have that vulnerability from them. You're not, that's just not going to happen. They're going to come in their appointment. They're going to say, okay, okay, bye. And then never come see you again. So, But but you need to identify. So if I have someone, for example, that is maybe a driver and they come into the appointment with just 10 questions that they're ready to ask me, I let them do that. Okay, you know, Mr. Smith or Johnson, whatever you want to call him, Mr. Doe, call him Mr. Doe. Okay, Mr. Doe. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, let me answer those questions for you and just kind of go along with it, you know? and Mm. go over the treatment plan and everything but make sure that they always kind of have a say in that but if Mr. Doe is amiable then I'm going to take a different approach because Mr. Doe if he's amiable he's not going to ask me questions he's he's going to expect me to give him that information so it's my job to do that and so I always say like as a clinician you have to be able to change your personality on the fly you need to be able to identify the personality and Switch it so that mm-hmm. you can you can connect with that patient and you can give k- give them what mm-hmm. they need. Um, right. I mean, I think everyone can probably come up with a with a you know think about a time where they went to an appointment and their doctor was just kind of like, okay, okay, uh huh, uh huh, bye. You mm-hmm. know, and then they walked out, and you're like, wait, wait, I just waited three weeks from this appointment. <laughs> Hold mm-hmm. on, you know, and that yeah. didn't that didn't make you feel good, right? Mm-hmm. And so, totally. you know, I always tell my my students, like, you don't want to be that person. You want to make sure that when they come in, they feel comfortable. And the same good mm-hmm. thing goes with, like, mentoring students is it's so important to identify them, identify who they are, how they communicate, and being able to kind of mold yourself for that and teach them. Um, you know, I, I always I always talk about personalities with all my students. Um, and so kind of like teach them how, you know, how to work with patients, how to, how to do, how to be able to kind of switch around on, on the fly, basically. Mm -hmm. And same thing, if, if I am as a professor, you know, if I come across as being unapproachable, then my students are not going to want to approach me. They're not, they're not going to feel comfortable. So when you have a class of 90, that is really hard because you have Mm -hmm. every personality in there, right? And Mm -hmm. so that's why I always, I, I, I I didn't put that stress on myself that like, I need to reach like 20 students because that's not Mm -hmm. realistic. I was able to bring it down. What's realistic two to three students is realistic. Okay. Let me figure out who those two to three students are. And then I'm going to, I'm going to invest in them. So Mm -hmm. if they come up to me and they ask me questions and I see that in them, um, I see that light shining through, like I see it, then I'm gonna invest time into them and I'm right. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend that time with them. And so that that's kind of what I look for when I'm meeting with students is I look for that student that is giving it their hundred and ten percent. They're coming to those office hours and they're asking me good questions. Very Mm -hmm. good questions. Sometimes I get students that come and they ask me questions and I'm like, "Mm, well, we, you know, thinking in my head, like we went over that like three times in class, but then I get other Mm -hmm. students that come to my office hours and they're like, you know what? I know you reviewed that three times in class and this is what I heard. This is what I understood, but I'm confused because of this. And I'm like, yes, yes. Tell me that. Because if you Mm -hmm. give me your thought process, then I can identify where you went wrong and I can correct. Right. So mm-hmm. I always tell my students, you know, if 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 I become your mentor, then I'm going to expect you to put in a lot of effort into this relationship because it's not fair for me to put in 100% and you to put in 50%. Like, it's got to mm-hmm. be equal. And so right. uh, the students that I do take on, like, they, they understand that.
0: Mm-hmm. So what other advice do you have for students and undergrads that may be seeking mentorship of other professors or of you? Don't be afraid.
1: (laughs) Don't be afraid. I know like sometimes when you have a professor, you have someone that is above you, a supervisor, whatever the case may be, it can be intimidating. It could be overwhelming, um, you know, but but don't be, don't be like, we're, we're humans. We are humans too. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's okay to come and ask us questions. If I see that you're, you're putting effort, like I I make mental note of that. I make mental note, like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. She really thought that through. That was a really, good questions like she wouldn't have known that unless she you know um followed the guide or she did the studying for the way she wouldn't have known that otherwise like i take mental notes so don't be afraid Mm -hmm. realize that we are humans too um and don't think that someone is unapproachable just because you were kind of in a group and the way they presented themselves like make sure you make the effort to get to know that person because Mm -hmm. for all you know you guys have so much in common and you would never know unless you go in and approach them and you have that Mm -hmm. one-on-one meeting like don't be afraid to have a one-on-one meeting just be yourself Mm -hmm. we're human too and i think that's kind of something that gets lost in um Mm -hmm. a lot of that relationship is I I see students and they get nervous and sometimes I see them like shaking and I, and then I tell them like, Hey, it's okay. I'm human. And then like, I'll make a little joke about myself, like making fun of myself. So like, I kind of feel like they feel like I'm a little bit more vulnerable. So they feel a little bit more comfortable talking to me. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's okay. Like we're human. I get it. Just come talk to me. Just, you just have to put in the effort. You have to invest Mm -hmm. that time because you can't expect me to invest all the time and you don't invest equal amounts, if not more, that's not realistic. So invest the time to get to know, you know, someone that you are interested in, um, them being your mentor,
0: just invest. I have, I have a comment on that but well a quick follow up question have you had someone directly ask you will you be my mentor
1: I don't think so no I don't think I had one yeah it just kind of happened mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I I I meet with students and you know it's it's like we click we click. Mm -hmm. And then I I tell them like, Hey, you know, I'll help you. And I will be there. And if you need me to stay after work, and you know, figure something out with you, like I will be there. But like, you need Mm -hmm. to put in as much effort. And I need to see that you're going places. And, you know, kind of go from there. Because I have students that are like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well, what should I do with school? Or what school should I go to? Or like, do you have any advice? And like, I will be happy to to do that with you. But if you ask me like, Hey, you know, um, I'm financially afraid of like, you know, going into grad school. Cause you guys hear about like grad school being so expensive and stuff. And if I tell you, okay, make me a list of the top, you know, five schools that are, are under $60,000. Um, and you mm-hmm. know, grad school that, grad school can get expensive. So $60,000 would probably be on like the cheaper end, I think, of Mm -hmm. um, grad programs. So I'll tell them like, okay, make a list. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to spend, you know, five hours trying to figure that out. And so if they, you know, I have one student, she came back and she's like, look, this is what I have. And I was like, great, this is good. Okay, let's take a look at it. Let's like financially plan your future. But if, mm-hmm. if you expect all the answers coming from me, then I'm not the right mentor for you. That's not me. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. job my yeah. job is to guide you, not to do the work mm-hmm. for you.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I do want to loop back uh, later to the financial part of it because I think that that's really important. You and I talked a lot about the financial things, and I know that that's something that you're passionate about. But I wanted to comment on what you said about mentorship and vulnerability and how you would just like make it be – Make a joke and say, Oh, I'm human and you know I kind of I'd, open like, yourself say up Something
1: then. super silly about myself. And they were just like, Really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Did yeah. You really? Just say that. <laughs> <laughs> so um I did this training called the, um, patient centered caring communication initiative through Walter Reed, um, to become a facilitator, to teach that program through the hospital. And one of the things that we did was whenever we opened up to teach our section to other providers and workers in the hospital, each instructor had to share a vulnerable story about ourselves to these other providers and people in the hospital. Um, and I shared that story that I just shared about, <laughs> you know, thinking that I was excellent at counseling and then was not. <laughs> but um, I, I bring that up because um, the, we sh- talked about why we do that, because in order for people to open up and feel comfortable to share with us or to ask questions or to be willing to make a mistake or to admit that they failed or, you know, to put themselves out there and ask for help. We need to show as the supervisor or instructor that we can be vulnerable, that we're not perfect, that we understand that we have chinks in our armor. We can still be the subject matter expert. We can still be the leader. We can still be someone that they look up to, but it doesn't mean that we are going to expect perfection of other people because we are not perfect ourselves. But we have to lead by example in our professionalism and in our vulnerability. So I really liked that because we were going up to teach this, you know, four hour course. And we started before each of our sections with a vulnerability story. So just a comment on that. And I think that that could be a beneficial tool. And I like that you do that for those students that are nervous, but it could be a beneficial tool. You know, I've even shared that I taught a class um, this week to some hearing technicians um, and I even shared something vulnerable. So someone had asked me something and I admitted, you know, what I did or didn't do that was, you know, skirting the line a little bit because I wanted them to know like, this is the bar, but not everyone is perfect all the time, you know. And then that kind of helped, helped open up the class a little bit. And they were more willing to ask questions because I told them the standard, but I'm not going to expect them to be perfect all the time and that it's okay to make mistakes. You know, I think that
1: I think so that students respond
0: more to that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I, think I mean, I'm not saying that you have to do it to your class of 90, <laughs> but-,
1: <laughs> but I think that makes you human. Like that really per- puts into perspective, like, Oh, wait a minute. She's human too. Like, it's okay. I can, I can trust in her. And that's kind of where it all starts. So I think it's so important. And like, yeah. like I said, the way I kind of mentor, I always, I always make a joke out of myself. Like I always say something silly, yeah. like my, like my squirrel. Yeah. See, I, re- I already shared something. With <laughs> you guys. I shared the story about Sally, the squirrel. And just so you know, oh. her name was Sally, Jesse, Raphael. You're too young to know who that is, huh? <laughs> it was a talk no. show host, and she had like oh. red glasses, right? Big red glasses. And when I was younger, I used to like, okay, so. I hope my mom's not listening to this. Okay. Remember, I told you I was not a good kid in in high school, right? I told you this. Okay. This 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 has been stated already. I used to take my thermometer and then I would turn my lamp on and then I would like place it by the lamp so it looked like I had a fever, but you can't get too close because if you get too close, it gives you an error because it got too hot so you gotta do Mm -hmm. just the like right amount and then i'd like put it back in my mouth and be like oh sorry i have a fever i can't go to school i guess i gotta watch sally jesse raphael tonight today (laughs) 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 oh my goodness my poor mom my poor mom
0: oh we've come such a long way so you've made up for it it's okay
1: (laughs) i hope so i really do
0: (laughs) oh that's funny Anyways, back to vulnerability and leading other students. Um, You uh, had talked about ways to connect with students and to help them develop and, you know, challenge them in ways and things. So um, what do you think are some important things for new and possibly young leaders to know, perhaps specifically related to females in the audiology workplace? What advice do you have for them?
1: Well, I think the first thing that I've learned is um, you're not going to be liked by everyone. That is not a realistic goal. It is not a realistic Mm. goal to expect everyone to like you. You could be Mm. the nicest person ever and that someone's not going to like you. Someone's not going to like you. And that's okay. (laughs) That's a-okay. That's fine. So first understand that not everyone's going to be your best friend and you know, don't put yourself through the stress of trying to like, please everyone. I mean, y- you're going to do what you're going to do. And, you know, there's just always going to be somebody that's not going to like you. And that's okay. Um, don't, don't take it personal. When I first started teaching, you guys don't go on rate my professor when you first start teaching. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you, you know, they may not may say say some things that You know, can get to you a little bit, but in the beginning, I was a little bit sad. I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was a little bit emotional. I was like, "Really? They think that about me? That's awful. Why would they think that?" I thought I was being like great, and but like, how? It's hard when you're teaching 90 students. How are you gonna, you know, allow them to get to know that side of you if they're not willing to put the effort into it? And so I was like, "Really? I'm unapproachable? I always tell them to come to my office hours." Like, why not, Mm -hmm. you know? And so if, you know, if they didn't come to my office hours, that was because that's what they chose to do. That's what they chose to Mm -hmm. do. And the people that did come to my office hours were like, oh yeah, she's great. She's, you know, she helped me. We, you know, I had questions. She was able to answer it. It was great. So just understanding that one, you're not going to be liked by everyone and that's okay. That's fine. Don't take it personal. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't, Mm -hmm. don't let that take that emotional toll on you. Mm-hmm. Um, stick to the facts. I mean, when you, you know, when you get told something like try not to get it, get emotional about it because a lot of times it's really, it's not meant to, it's just, you know, that's what it is. They need, you know, they need something changed. They need your behavior change or they need you to do something different. It's not, don't take it emotionally. Mm-hmm. Definitely don't mm-hmm. take it. Don't take it like that. Um, that's a lot of times For example, like my students sometimes say like, I had one student tell me like, hey, you know, when you write emails, they come across as being really rude. And I was like, what, wait, what? I said, hi, hello. I hope you're doing well. And I answered your question. And I said, let me know if you have any questions. So how is that coming Mm -hmm. across as being rude? But I, you know, again, I'm I'm so busy. I'm really busy. And so sometimes when I get those emails, I, you know, I get straight to the point. And although I say those nice things, apparently they, you know, they thought that I was being rude, but that's not my intention um, mm-hmm. at all. So try not to think things personal. I mean, I, I doubt someone's actually doing something to really get you upset. Just have that open mind. Don't take things personal. Um, stay humble above all Just stay humble. I mean, I can't say that enough is I I've met people that started from little and gotten up, you know, went up the ladder and they haven't stayed humble. And that, you know, that sometimes becomes an issue. So above all, always stay humble. Just like um, Maddie, Maddie said on her interview, she said, Hey, you know, sometimes if, Like something needs to be clean, then just clean it. Like, I don't care. Like, sure, we have cleaning people, but what if there was a mess down over there and they had to (laughs) spend extra time cleaning that mess? Like it needs to be clean. Just do it. That's the same thing that I do. I can a hundred percent tell you that like at the end of the day, if someone needs help cleaning, I'll go, go, go clean and help them. I will clean my stuff. I will do whatever. Like I'm not above anyone. I'm not above. I, I don't care who it is. I'm not above anyone. End of story. I'm not. Um, and I think that goes really far. If people see that in you, um, people trust you and it's just develops that, that positive relationship. Just be humble. Don't be above anyone and be a team and help each other out. Um, you know, I, I have a couple offices. And I will still go and I'll mop the floors, I'll vacuum. Like I'll do what I need to do, you know, clean down Mm -hmm. the booth, wipe it down, do whatever I need to do. I I don't think I'm above anyone. I don't think like, oh, okay, I own these businesses. So I shouldn't be doing that anymore. That is definitely not what I think. I think we're a team. If you're successful, Mm -hmm. I'm successful. We're all successful together.
0: Right. And Mm -hmm. I think,
1: I think that really helps. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for referencing back another episode of the podcast that you listened to. Yes, I shout Maddie.
1: Maddie. <laughs> um, no, honestly, that goes a long, a long way. That makes you, mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason why um, that'll make you approachable. That'll make your staff or your students trust in you because you don't put yourself above anyone
0: hmm. One thing that I really appreciate that you did for me is you weren't shy at helping me identify what one of my weaknesses was, um, which was like the personality thing and then helping me to figure out ways to improve that and work on it, you know. So thank you for that.
1: You're so sweet. You're so welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yay. So continuing on with advice for new professionals, since you've worked with so many um, emerging professionals, like undergraduate students that have been quite young, what's just some general advice about professionalism in the workplace that you have for student interns or new professionals?
1: Okay, let's reference Maddie again. (laughs) wear your best clothes (laughs) if you're gonna go to an interview like make sure that that is like the best outfit that you have go all in no seriously seriously that is exactly what she said yes go all in you know why because that really shows like that really go like that shows and that you know mm-hmm. you're willing to put that that much effort into getting yourself ready that shows that means you know mm-hmm. if you thought about it you put that effort in that that really shows so mm-hmm. go all in you know wear your nicest outfit um, if you're going to go to an interview like wear your nice you know the nicest thing iron your clothes okay guys mm-hmm. let's let's be real here please iron your clothes and if you're not if you don't know how to iron at least take it to like a dry cleaning place that will iron it for you, please. Because the worst thing that you could do is not iron your clothes. Don't iron your
0: clothes because remember, gentlemen, wear an undershirt.
1: Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Please, please wear an undershirt. I don't need to see like, you know, the forest and everything Mm -hmm. coming out of your shirt. I don't need, (laughs) I don't need to see that. I don't. it's a little distracting, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yes, just like a, Be prepared because remember, everyone will judge you. If they don't know you, they're going to judge you based on how you look. I don't Mm -hmm. care if they say they're not going to judge you, this and that. No, they're going to judge you. Everyone will judge you. Every single person will judge you. They don't know you. They're going to look at you. They're going to go, hmm, she's got that wrinkled shirt. Oh, no. She can't even come prepared Mm -hmm. to an interview. Can't even come prepared to talk to her mentor. Oh, I don't know Mm -hmm. about that. But, yeah, like Mm -hmm. always make sure you're presentable. Like, you know, make mm-hmm. sure you're dressed appropriately make sure you've showered, you know, brushed your hair. <laughs> you don't want to mm-hmm. look like you rolled out of bed because mm-hmm. everyone, everyone will
0: judge you until they get to know you. Mm-hmm. I would also say like dress in a moderate, like modest kind of way. Like I, like to wear like fun and bright colors sometimes, you know, but um, I try to tone it down a little bit for job interviews, especially if that's like my first impression, you know, um, maybe wear some like smaller, more modest jewelry or eyeshadow, things like that. Another thing that I would add, I know I'm asking you the questions, but I was just thinking about like things that you said, be prepared and something that I've learned here in the army. Like whenever we go to meetings or something, people always bring something to write with and something to write on. That is important. uh, Yeah. Like whether you're showing up for an interview or just like a quick meeting, like don't show up empty handed.
1: Bring your resume. Like Bring your resume.
0: Um, Even if you've already emailed it ahead of time.
1: Bring a pen pen, bring some kind of a folder or something that you can write on on taking notes. Because if I'm doing an interview, and you you know, I see all this, I'm like, Oh, okay, they came prepared. Okay, they're taking Mm -hmm. notes, they care, they care.
0: Right? Yeah, my favorite thing to do is like, when I would show up for an interview, and they'd be like, Do you have any questions? And I'd be like, Yes, I do. And I would reach into my folder and pull out a piece of paper with prepared questions. And every time they'd be like, Oh, I'd get like a little setback, like they'd be like, oh, she actually like prepared questions. And I'd be like, yes, I did. Even if it was just like four questions that were like very broad or general it showed that I was like prepared with what I brought that I typed it and had it ready you and, know, and you, had something to write on. And you've researched the company. You've, you've mm-hmm. researched who you were yeah. interviewing
1: for. It showed that like, oh, she, mm-hmm. went, she went to our website. Okay. She, okay. Yeah. yeah she knows what services. I did. Provide. I would try to
0: ask specific questions about the company, but also if I was interviewing for a position within the same company, like when I transferred departments or something. I would ask something general, like, how do you define success within this position or something like that?
1: Yeah, that is, that is, that is very important. Um, the other thing I'd like to add to that is also like, don't be afraid to knock on doors. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Um, I
0: think wait, what do you mean knock on doors? Like, like physically like walk into someone's <laughs> office?
1: Yes, walk into someone's alone. office during a pandemic. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like reach out, you know, like make it so I'll give you a perfect example. I had this this um person who she had already had she already had a bachelor's degree. And um she was looking to get more experience and she was walking into audiologist's office and saying, "Hi, you know, I'm interested in either working here or observing. Here's my resume." You know, Mm -hmm. here, here's my contact number. If this is something that could work for us, like I would be very interested. And although Mm -hmm. at that time I couldn't provide that for her, I said, wow, look at her. She's like taking that initiative. She, you know, Mm -hmm. she's not waiting for something to come to her. She's Mm -hmm. going out and hunting it. I like her. And I took her resume and I called my friend and I was like, hey, there's this, this, this girl. She came in, she's interested. She wants to go in the field. This is her resume. You know, she went to, she already has a bachelor's degree. Is this someone that you would take in? And he said, yeah, I would. I'm actually, yeah, I'm very interested. And so I gave the resume to him and he called her and um, she was there for like a year and then ended up getting into grad school. And then, you know, eventually getting what she needed to get which was, you know, the grad school position, but you know, she wasn't afraid. And I was very impressed by that. Like she physically walked Mm -hmm. in and gave, like I didn't have any advertisement that there is a position open. I didn't do any of that. She walked in with her resume and said, this is who I am. You know, very nice to meet you. And this is what I offer. And if this is something that I could do for you, like, please reach out to me. Mm -hmm.
0: I was very, that's nice. Yeah. I I, yeah. still, I still remember her. I, I thought that I'm was lucky like that she stumbled across you and you connected her with somebody else.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Had she not done that, that would have never been and she maybe would have never found a place that would have taken her in. And mm-hmm. so but she she took that risk, you know, to go out there and, and get it done. Like don't be afraid. Just because there's not a position available or an internship available, don't be afraid to call or, you know, drop off your resume. Don't be afraid. It's okay.
0: It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So staying on track with advice for uh, like current students or undergrads and stuff. I know that financial stability is something that you're passionate about and you've given good advice. And that's uh, something that you and I have talked about when I was looking at grad schools. So what advice do you have for undergraduate students that are looking to apply to grad schools when it comes to considering the cost in selecting a school? Don't be
1: naive. Do your research. Definitely mm-hmm. do your research. Find out whatever position, whether it's audiology or any other position, find out what they get paid. Find out not only, like, on average, but, like, what about specific to your city, to your county? Like, find out what where you want to work. Find out how much that pay is. And then do your research. Don't just... I I feel like sometimes we get locked into like, oh, I want to go to this school because like everyone knows USC, like I want to go there. And it's like, wait, USC is how much? $50,000 a year. That's a lot of money. You know, don't quote me. I don't know if that's how much it is. Um, (laughs) But just giving you an example, it's very expensive. Um, right. But don't get caught up in that, like do research, like look at these other universities, look at their reputation, and then mm-hmm. figure out, you know, if that's something that you would you would want to do. And if maybe they have scholarships, because sometimes what you'll find is there may be a school in somewhere in a city where you may not see yourself living, uh, might be a smaller city. Um, mm-hmm. they, but they offer scholarships, they offer this because they want you to mm-hmm. go there. If, if you guys are a match, they want you. You know, that's where you want to go. I mean, I'm not, Mm -hmm. don't compromise your education by any means, but go somewhere where you're like, you you know, you really have done the research. You're not going to be so in debt that you're not ever going to pay it off. I mean, you have some audiologists graduating with $200,000 in debt. And I ask them, I say, hey, how much do you think $200,000 is going to be per month? And you would be surprised. I get answers like, well, you know, maybe like $300, $400. Yeah. I, and I tell them, I was like, is that like an interest? Are you talking just interest? Or are you talking about actually paying towards a principal? And they're saying, no, like everything. And I said, absolutely not. No, no, mm-hmm. that is unrealistic. You need to do your research. Mm-hmm. 200000 I mean, you'd maybe be paying like, somewhere around like twenty five twenty six hundred dollars if maybe even higher depending on your interest rate um twenty mm-hmm. six dollar twenty six hundred dollars a month is a lot of money it's a mm-hmm. ton of money and if mm-hmm. your goal in the profession doesn't match up with that then don't put yourself in that debt go somewhere mm-hmm where you you know you may not have you might not be in San Francisco you might be somewhere else like in a smaller town but right you know. Why? Why do you need to be in San Francisco? You're gonna be studying anyways. <laughs> you don't need those extra right. distractions. Um, but go somewhere where it's affordable. Make sure that you can you understand finances. Make sure you can un, you understand how much you're gonna make, how much you can afford to pay towards student loans once you graduate. Find out the cost of living of the area that you want to live in. Because if you're paying twenty six hundred dollars a month in student loans and you want to live in
0: L A, that's that. No, honey. No, 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 no. you're (laughs) going to end up unless you unless you find a a rich someone to sponsor you, you know, a rich honey bunny. (laughs) You're
1: going to end up (laughs) owing that much money. And then, you know, you got the grand experience where you got to live in these cities and do all this cool stuff and then when you graduate you're going to be like oh man i can't i can't live there cuz i can't afford it so i might go ha- i'm going to have to live in those small cities now <laughs> you know what i mean so make sure you understand like finances awesome. and if you don't understand like put yourself in a situation where you're learning about it you're attending classes you're researching it online you're figuring it out. You're not just sitting there going, oh, okay, well, whatever. I'm just going to apply here, and if I get in, great. Don't do that because you're going to put yourself in a situation where you may not be able to get yourself out of. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I every time I mentor my students, I say, okay, what do you think about this? And they'll tell me. I'm like, mm, let's look at it again. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of them end up going right. to – you know, universities that may not be in San Francisco, LA, New York, but mm-hmm. they're still a good education. And when they leave, they're not going to be $200,000, you know, $200,000 mm-hmm. in debt. They're going to be 50, 60, which that you could pay off that, that is doable. Yeah. Um, so just don't fall into that, that, that trap where you're, you're not, you're not looking into that. Make sure you do your research, make sure you surround yourself around people that, that understand that make sure you go on online you you just look it up and remember these are not just numbers these are not numbers at the end this is money (laughs) that you're gonna have to pay back one day with interest Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I say that because one of my students go wow you really put it into perspective she's like when I was looking into that it was just numbers to me but now like understanding it it, yeah, maybe I can't go to, I shouldn't go to that school or maybe I can look harder into getting scholarships because mm-hmm. yeah, there's no way that I can afford buying a house. And then I tell him, I said, what do you think the, the banks are going to say when you're trying to buy, let's just say, you know, California high cost of living, you know, a $500,000 house. And remember in LA, that's like entry level, right? What are they going to say when you owe 200,000? I said, what the banks are going to say was like, "Mm, she owes way too much. Nope, we're not going to do that. Her debt to income ratio is way too high. We're going to count, you know, half of her income instead because it's, she just owes a lot of money. And, you know, so you don't want to put yourself in that situation where you're always paying every month and it's not really going towards anything because your student loans are just so high. It's just not worth it. I mean, there's so many scholarships out there. You just have to really put in an effort. You got to figure it out. Go to schools where it's not that expensive and get that education. And remember, you're going to
0: school anyways. You don't need distractions. It's better if you go to a smaller school. Like living in a big city. How many times do you find that you get students that are like, I want to go to this university because it's ranked like number one or two, or it's like so prestigious, or they like quote these things where it's like this top school or something All on time. some website. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Which I think is really funny to me because when I go to conferences and stuff, I hardly see or hear from students that go to those schools. Right. You know, they're ranked on some kind of website. And actually, I I know some information about how those websites are ranked and how they come to be, which really isn't valid. It's garbage how their their rating comes out. But what I think would be more valuable is asking actual students that have gone to those schools what they think about the education that they received and the professors that are there. And I totally support and agree with your decision because I was one of those students that went to a school that was in an area that I probably would not live in, given the choice but I loved my education. The professors were excellent. I had so many opportunities. I did get a graduate assistantship my first year and didn't have to pay tuition that year. There were opportunities for continued assistantships and research. And, you know, it was wonderful. I had amazing clinical experience. I started in the clinic my first week of grad school, you know, and there were so many wonderful benefits to it. But had I had not not received that advice from you. I might've been sucked into going to a school that I saw on a list thinking I needed to have that type of education, you know? And I also talked to my stepdad who is a director of a physical therapy clinic and um, also has higher education. And he gave me the advice. He said, it doesn't matter if you go to a number one or number two school, if you don't put in the effort. You could go to a school that's ranked lower and you put in 150% effort. You are going to get an excellent education. You are going to get the quality of education based on the effort that you put in. You know, you have the access to the information. And if you put in the work, the professors will meet you there. So you just have to find a school that will give you like that foundation, that platform that you can build on. And I was like, oh, well, that seems much easier to find. Thankfully, I found a school that was really good. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like a basic school. It was a really good school. But that really motivated me. And it was like, oh, well, then all I have to do is put in the work individually.
1: Yep, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, a lot of it depends on you. I mean, I've met students that have gone to these top schools. And, you know, maybe they're just good test takers. They're, you know, standardized tests are easy for them. Everything's fine. But they may not be that individual that goes above and beyond. They may just go to the class, show up, memorize, regurgitate, whatever, do it again. And those are not the best students. Those are not the best clinicians. Absolutely not. No, it goes a long way. It all depends on you. You need to figure out how much effort you want to put in. Absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I think that we've given a lot of really good advice to undergraduate students, and I kind of wanted to focus on that age group since that's where you're teaching and involved with, but you're also working full time and have multiple audiology practices. <laughs> <laughs> how many practices do you run now? Oh, my goodness. Five, five. Five in multiple states, right? Mm-hmm. Arizona, California. Thing <laughs> That's cool. Wait, and Nevada, right? Not
1: yet. Now you're giving away my secrets.
0: <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm kidding. Not yet, but I will be. I will be.
0: Oh, okay. all right. Okay. I didn't say the other two, three. No, I'm kidding. She's all over people. You better watch out. She's coming to a neighborhood near you. She's coming. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So five practices. That's awesome. Five practices
1: um, and, think- and growing. Yeah. So I will, That's amazing. I, I will be waiting for you when you're done with the army. <laughs> yeah. They own
0: me for a few more years. I'll be waiting. I'll be knocking on that door. Yeah. <laughs> You've already been knocking. Kelvin even was like, dang, I think Maria really wants you to work for her. Cause she even was messaging me on Instagram about it. And I was like, oh, "Dang,
1: <laughs> I know I messaged him. I was like, Hey, so is she ready? Like, come on board. And then he was like, he was like, yeah, except he's in the army. I was like, Hey, I put in four day work week, like four days, three days off. Come on.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Sweet, sweet deal. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, I'm actually really excited for the job that I have now, but you know, give it a few years when I'm no longer belong to the army and we'll see, see how things go. But I'm really looking forward to what I get to do here and, you know, develop these skills and. You know, maybe learn some Korean. I don't know. There you go. I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna be filled with kimchi for the next two years. So, <laughs> um, but you have always mastered so many things all at once, and consistently growing your business and giving back to other people, and um, blessed with a beautiful daughter at the same time. While you're teaching and working full time and just doing so so much, um, so how do you handle it all? <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. No, honestly, it's it really is. Uh, my family like supports me. They're amazing. I mean, my mom, everything is. They're awesome. My husband is so supportive, and without them, like I wouldn't be where I am. Um, I really need their support and their help to to get where I am. Um, so I really appreciate that. Without them, like I said, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't. It's just mm-hmm. too much. It's a team effort. It's a village effort. Yeah, right? it takes a village. It takes a village. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it really takes a village. Again, back to my stay humble people. Please stay humble. <laughs> just mm-hmm. stay humble. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> my neighbors, they're like the cutest thing. Oh, my God. I love them. So like they always see that I'm always working and I'm always hustling, you know, and they they bring me quesadillas like five days a week.
0: Oh yeah, like just cheese quesadillas or like they have like meat in them. Uh,
1: they bring me everything: quesadillas, tamales, really, like oh, you yeah. name it.
0: Like I could like go for a not a quesadilla so bad. Homemade
1: oh. like with homemade tortillas.
0: Oh, yeah. What?
1: Homemade tortillas oh, in the morning, every morning. Nice. I'm telling you, it's it's amazing. But it goes back to mm-hmm. like, I feel like it really does go back to being humble. Like I help them like, I like they're a little bit older. So I'll see them and she'll, still, she'll say things like, like, for example, it's like Christmas time right now. Right. And um, mm-hmm. my husband and I are a little bit competitive. And we saw this thing that was like La Mirada, like award for like nicest lights. <laughs> So we're like, we're going to get that award, right? <laughs> Plus, my daughter, like, loves the Christmas lights or everything. And my neighbor, the one that brings me quesadillas, was like, hey, you know, I really like your lights. Like, it's so nice to see them and this and that, right? And I had extra lights. I had extra Christmas lights that I didn't use because it was, like, mm-hmm. Christmas lights that I had stored from, like, another house that I lived in. So I, I just didn't have bushes and, you know, sh- shrubs and everything like I did there. Um, so I was like. I got you, Gloria. I'm going to come do your Christmas lights. (laughs) So I did. I like put their Christmas lights on their gates and their fence. I did it on the like roof and everything. Um, But like, I, you know, just, just stay humble and just like get to know people and don't let this like, I don't know, title or whatever you want to call it, get in the way of really allowing people to get to know you. Um, I always tell people like, if you meet me outside of work, you probably wouldn't even know that I was a doctor. You wouldn't because that's not important to me when I'm outside. You know, it's just I, mm-hmm. I want to get to know the person. I want to get to know the people I'm with. Like that, this whole title thing, it's it, just stay humble. Don't let that affect you. Um, and so she now has Christmas lights and she's so happy about them. It's like the cutest thing. Um, and just, you know, help people out. Like don't expect anything in return, just just be nice, be a good person. Just help people out. <laughs> you know what? Like she, she had yeah. a, okay, so she had a gate that she needed to get fixed because it was like broken, right? And so there was it, it was just kind of falling apart. You know, in California, like everyone has termites in California, and, and even if you tent your house, if your neighbor doesn't tent it, then the termites will like fly over to your house. So it's like all like it's all mm. so her gate was probably like twenty years old. And we had a pandemic, so we were shut down for like three months. And she had she had told me, she was like, hey, do you know anyone that could fix this panel? And it was like her gate and she like, wanted them to fix like one of the panels. Girl, I made them a whole gate. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I was like, Gloria, <laughs> I got you. I got you. You don't Aww. you don't need this, like, termite stuff. I got you. I'm going to make you a nice yeah. little gate. So I went out there, and then one day I woke up. I woke up at, like, it was, like, 530, and I was thinking about it. And I was, like, drawing the plan out in my head. And so then I went to Ganal, right, Ganal. Um, they have all the wood and stuff, and I, and I got the pieces, and I made her a gate. And she just like really was really happy about it. I didn't expect anything in return. I mean, quesadillas are yeah. clearly always welcomed, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, be a good person. Yeah. You don't you don't need. I mean, yes. you know, you don't need anything in return. Could I have like spend time doing other things? Probably, but I, I I understood that you know this gate was broken and she's a little bit older and that's kind of a safety issue. So I'm gonna fix it.
0: Yeah. Right. That's very sweet. Well, it's great that you have wonderful family and supportive neighbors. That's really nice. Let's close with um, any just general advice that you have for professionals or um, young students or, you know, future mentors about things that you've learned or any closing remarks that you want to share with our listeners.
1: I think I've already shared everything. Stay humble, iron your clothes, show
0: up on time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just, just again, I think any advice for like starting a business or anything related to that? (laughs) Starting a business.
1: Wow. Oh, that's a big one. Um, make sure that you understand that you're going to wear a lot of hats. You're gonna be mm-hmm. the janitor. You're gonna be the doctor. You're gonna be the counselor. You're gonna be the psychologist. You're gonna be everything all in one. And mm-hmm. understand that nothing is above you. You do everything. You're you're the go-to for everything. It doesn't matter what it is, that's gonna be that's gonna be you. So if you're ready yeah. for that, then go for it. You got this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you started a business pretty early on in your career and you've come so far. So (laughs) it's possible.
1: It's all possible. Yeah,
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been wonderful, really insightful and honest and practical and really fun and vulnerable. So thank you so much for giving us your time and sharing so much wisdom.
1: (laughs) You're so welcome.
0: all right well we'll catch up with you later and hopefully you can enjoy and quote future podcasts you know (laughs) other than maddie's even though maddie's was excellent
1: (laughs) oh my god you're hilarious thank you so much for having me i appreciate it
0: anytime talk to you soon dr g
1: thanks take care